I don't know where you are today. What are your challenges or your points of victory? I do know that in the long haul, we must find something of our place in the present by a picture of what the future holds, what God has planned for us. That view will humble us, warn us, and should also encourage us not to lose ourselves in the fog of the present. On the horizon is coming something life-changing. Hello folks, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its associate fellowship in Boise, Idaho, the Bread of Life. Our ministry is going forward to countries around the world. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. In Matthew 24, verses 27 through 31, the Lord Jesus describes the bracing realities that are to come to pass when he comes to earth again. His second coming is real, and its reality should frame our perspectives in the present. We're going to be studying and reading this text today, but there's coming a day when the readers of these texts will be caught up in the middle of what is called the Great Tribulation. It'll be a time of mass confusion, it'll be a time of mass deception, but even then there will be persons who have access to God's Word and will be reading these words of the Lord Jesus that we're reading here in this passage before the coming of the Lord Jesus to earth. And it will be coming shortly after that moment in which you're reading it because they'll be just at the precipice. They'll be just at the door of this final conclusive work of the Lord Jesus that comes at the end of the Great Tribulation. During that time in which they'll be reading this, there will have been false Christ, antichrist that have risen up throughout the generations. They've come and they've gone and they've come and they've gone and yet at the end of history they will coalesce and they will concentrate into one individual who is called the antichrist. And you can read about him in 2 Thessalonians. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He'll come as a capstone to the rebellion of human beings who throughout history have resisted and denied God's truth. And at this time, humanity is going to be given over to the Antichrist mass deception and they'll be brought under his control and his leadership, his demonic leadership. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 9 through 12 speaks of this moment. I don't think I'll need to be giving an excess amount of commentary this morning. I'm going to be reading to you a number of passages, and the passages are graphic, and they're clear, and they should be understood as you read them. And what you don't understand, don't worry about. Worry about what you do. And here's what we read. Paul speaks of the Antichrist as, quote, the coming of the lawless one who is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they may or should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now the question we ask is, what is the lie that will be believed at that time under the rule or reign or the governance of the Antichrist? And that's given to us in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4. So just go back here. The final lie given by the Antichrist and believed is this. You see it at the end of verse 3 there. There it says, quote, The man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. There's your deception. One day this deception will be the prevailing thought and the 
prevailing ascription that individuals will give to the Antichrist, and this will all happen at the middle of the Great Tribulation, and in the middle of that time, and in the middle of all the convolutions that are taking in history at that time, there will be some who will read these words that we've read in Matthew 24. Can you imagine what a mind-numbing time that will be? Can you imagine how confusing and complexing and destabilizing and disorienting life will be in that moment when there will be, as you read the book of Revelation, there will be these succession of judgments and these experiences of great sorrow and suffering that come upon the land and there will be these machinations of world powers coming together and gathering together, ruling and reigning over the people and this deception that will come of the Antichrist who has established himself in Jerusalem, the Bible says, and in that moment you'll have individuals who are just, in a sense, lost in a state of stunned confusion. And in the middle of that time of stunned confusion, they'll read these words that we've read. And they'll receive a stark picture of what is directly ahead. Christ is coming again. His appearing at the end of the age is about to take place. And that stark picture will frame the experience of that moment. In that moment, it will clarify what's going on. They'll be able to look through the confusion and the haze and the difficulty and the challenge and the real malaise that's all around them and they'll see framed in the experience they're having this picture, this pronouncement of what's going to happen, clearly going to happen when Christ returns and his coming is going to be right upon them, nearly upon them. Wherever we find ourselves in human history, wherever you find yourself in your own personal history, these stark Real portraits of what shall come one day in visible, physical display to our world should frame the moments that we're in and give us focus so that we can see past the cloudiness and confusion of any given day or any given time period. These words will do it for those who read this passage then. They should do it for us today. What I want to do this morning is I want to point out some stark realities that we have in our text. And the first stark reality here is the stark reality of Christ's return. And it is conspicuous. It is obvious. It is seen by all. Christ appearing will not be a phased-in experience over time. It will be real and physical and immediate. It will be quick and sudden and visible to all those who are on the earth. And it will be overwhelmingly glorious. Listen to the description. As lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. In verse 30, then the sign of man will appear in heaven. The disciples had asked the Lord Jesus, what will be the sign of the destruction of the temple? And he tells them what the sign will be. There will be a moment when you'll see Jerusalem surrounded by armies and know that the destruction is near. The next question they ask is, what will be the sign of the end of the age and your appearing? And the Lord Jesus tells them, I'm the sign. The sign will be the sign of the Son of Man coming like lightning through the clouds across the skies and everyone will see him. And just prior to the statement, the Lord Jesus has talked about the way of false messiahs and antichrist, false Christ. And he says they'll say, come out to the wilderness and we'll plan our revolts and we'll plan our positions and our, our political movements or come into the private room and we'll talk about our machinations and they'll come making their treaties and their covenants with the people. But when the Lord Jesus comes, you won't go to meet him in the private room. You won't go to meet him in the wilderness. 
You won't go to sign some covenant which he will betray later on. No, he'll come with power and with a flash of glory and all eyes will see him and no one will miss him. That's the juxtaposition here. You'll know when I've come because I'll be the sign. I'll come and you'll see me. It'll be massive and it'll be a flash of power. He came once quietly and inconspicuously. He came once veiling off in flesh the glory of his presence. But he's coming again in a way that we've maybe rarely considered him. He's coming in the way in which he presented himself to John in the first chapter of Revelation that John writes. And there John writes of seeing one whose eyes were a flame of fire and whose body was aglow and burning like metal that was fired up in the furnace and his feet were burning as well and his voice as he spoke was like the sound of oceans, many oceans. And John fell at his feet as though he was dead. The Lord Jesus is coming with great glory, manifesting his power and his might and He came once quietly, but he will not do so again. The next time he will come and all the universe will contort also at his appearing. Look what also it says. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, this is in Matthew 24, those days the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the heaven and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Have you ever been in an earthquake? My daughter-in-law was in one of the major earthquakes that one time hit Big Bear, California, and she was in the cabin with her family, and she was a little girl, and everybody ran out of the cabin, but someone had to come back in and retrieve her and grab her, and as grandfather was running out of the cabin, just as he went out the door of the front cabin, the whole cabin collapsed to the ground. Massive earthquake. How unsettling that would be to be in a situation like that. But here in this passage, what we're reading is not simply that the, there are other passages that will tell us that the earth will shake, but here it says the heavens will shake. Not simply the ground beneath you, but the sky above you. (laughs) The stars were why we've coursed out our navigation and found our direction. All that will be put out of its courses as he's coming. Everything will be shaking. Everything will be rolling. And there will be cosmic convolutions that will take place. And in God's word, as the prophets write about various times in which God comes to judge or God comes to deliver the nation of Israel or even when God works to deliver an individual, the author of scripture will pick up this kind of apocalyptic language. He'll describe how the the heavens are convoluting and there's a rumble in the earth and the earth shakes and the stars are shooken from their place. And what they're revealing is that, in a sense, the idea is that behind the curtain of all the different things that you experience where God moves to your benefit and God rescues you and delivers you and as God sovereignly works to the nation, that there's a stirring of all creation at the expression of God rising up in his power. And so it's kind of poetic language reinforcing the idea of the sovereign, all-powerful God, but I don't believe it's only poetic language. I don't believe that we can just say that it's Jewish apocalyptic literature. I believe as we come to the end of the age, it's going to be actual and it's going to be real and it's going to happen. It's said too often. In fact, what I also believe is what you're reading in these other places where you see God moving in deliverance and the prophets have these visions in these time of deliverance. And when you see God working through the ages, bringing judgment, and they have these visions of this convolution of the cosmos and those times of deliverance, that what they're doing is in that moment of deliverance, at that hour in history, they are, in a sense, forecasting themselves to this future day when God will bring his ultimate judgment and his ultimate deliverance. And at that moment in time, they're, they're seeing all those things are hints of the great, the great clash of heavens and earth as Christ comes to deliver. It will be conspicuous. We will know what's going on. The very heavens will dance around us. When Christ comes, the universe will jolt. The stars will fall out of their courses. 
The light of the sun will give way to the light of the Son of God. And all this seeming language that seems to be an exaggeration of last day's events will prove to be truer and more real than we might imagine. And this will come at the end of the great tribulation. Christ's coming will vanquish. Think of this. Christ's coming at that time will vanquish all the vivid imagery and awful memories that have been gathered up by those individuals who have gone through the great tribulation. Read the book of Revelation. Read all the horrors and all the great plagues that come upon men during the great tribulation and then consider that when the Lord Jesus returns at the end of that time that so dramatic and so powerful and so awesome will be that event, they'll almost forget what they've just gone through. It will not be a point of reference for them anymore. It will be this. Christ's coming. The great tribulation, this unparalleled trouble in human history, will pass from their minds when they see Christ coming in infinite glory. It is conspicuous. That's the first thing. So listen, in the middle of the great tribulation, in the middle of the troubles, in the middle of the fog of all these things that are taking place, they're reminded, Christ reminds them that there is coming this clear, sharp, stark reality when he returns to the earth. And it won't be theoretical, and we won't be simply postulating on times and exactly when it will happen. It will happen. And all the theorizing and all the contemplation and all the opining will be passed. And it'll just be Him coming upon the earth. At His coming, we're told of those who will come before His judgment throne and say to Him, Lord, Lord, and then list all that they've done for Him. And Jesus says at that time He will answer them by saying, Depart from me, I never knew you. Church Partnership Evangelism has developed a new book and a new website. It's devoted towards preparing professing Christians to meet the judge. Go to savingevangelicals.com to learn more. This has been the Bread of Life. To support this radio ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links. Until the next time, may God bless you.